Welcome to The Nine Line, your news and information source for healthcare-related issues impacting Southern Nevada veterans, and a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. And now, here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. Hello, welcome to The Nine Line. I'm your host, Joshua Gray. Thanks for joining us. And today, we're going to be talking about food and eating and how you can eat healthy. It is currently Healthy Eating Week right now as we're recording this. So to talk about this subject, we've got uh, three of our kind of food experts here in in the facility. We have Brianna Hewitt, Sora Lee, and Renee Conklin. Ladies, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having having us. us. Awesome, great. Um, So uh, just to kind of start off, you know, Eating healthy, there's a lot of components to it. So uh, why don't we go ahead, Brianna, we'll start with you and we'll kind of go around the table here and uh, tell us about what you do here at the VA, what's your role and kind of what what's a, a typical day like for you here? Um, I'm our oncology dietitian. So right now I primarily see patients that are seeking treatment for uh, cancer or um, a diagnosis where they, they might not be able to eat as much. Um, I am an inpatient dietitian as well as a renal dietitian. Um, I do work in dialysis, so that's an outpatient setting, taking care of end-stage renal patients as well as inpatient. And Freeman? Hi, so I'm our dietetic internship director, and so I run that program. We have students come from, in the past, different universities, but we're now going to have our own internship. And I also teach our Healthy Teaching Kitchen classes, so our group classes in person and online. Okay, excellent. So, Brianna, for, for you to just kind of start this off, when I think of, you know, you're an oncology uh, dietitian. What, when I think about treatments for cancer, I think about radiation. I think about chemotherapy, surgery. I, I don't necessarily think about food. So what's the role in food in, in helping cancer patients? I think if we've got good nutritious behind us, treatment goes better. A lot of times if we're not eating well, we might feel very fatigued, we might be losing weight, and that has a poor prognosis and a um, harder to finish treatment. So we want our veterans to complete all of the treatment. And so a lot of it is um, nutrition for making sure that despite maybe having a poor appetite or managing some of the symptoms that come with treatment. Right. So, yeah. So, I mean, I guess if I'm not feeling like eating, I want to make sure that I get plenty of nutrition and that I'm, I'm, I'm eating well, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, so, Healthy Teaching Kitchen, right? Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about what the, the Healthy Teaching Kitchen program is, what people can expect. Um, you know, we, we've, we've talked about it before on the show. I don't know if it's evolved. Maybe it has. Sure. So, uh, tell us a little bit about that program. Yes, of course. So actually, we've added some new curriculum this year. Um, So basically, any veteran that uses our services can attend. Um, We used to get a lot of referrals from dietitians, but we we love it when everyone, so providers, refer. And we also now have an intro to Healthy Teaching Kitchen class that veterans can self-schedule. So they can just call um, and get themselves into that class. It's the first and third Tuesdays of each month. Um, And then they learn a little bit more about the program. We teach them basic knife safety, food safety, cooking measurements, kind of reading recipe kind of skills. Um, But then for the future classes that they're able to take, we do things on health conditions. So that could be heart disease, diabetes, kidney disease. But we've recently added a global global nutrition series that we're going to do in April, which I'm really excited about planning, where we look at food around the world from different continents. 
Um, we have a new preventing diabetes class that's offered every other month. So when people go to their providers and they say, oh, you have high blood sugar, but what does that mean to them? Um, sometimes they don't know what to do. So we're offering this pre-diabetes class so that they can know how um, diet exercise impacts that um, their potential for getting type 2 diabetes. Okay, and I've been to a couple of the Healthy Teaching Kitchen classes just for coverage and things like that. And, you know, they always have all of the food there with them. And so I was kind of excited to hear that you do knife skills and things like that. Um, how important is it? I mean, you can tell people how to eat. But when you do something like eating healthy, that's that's commonly fresh vegetables, things like that. Those don't come cut usually. How important is it to teach people like how to prepare food, not just how to cook it? Yeah, well, I think practical skills are really important because and I know that dietitians really focus on that. It's like it's not just throwing a bunch of information at you, hoping that you make those changes. It's I think with the cooking skills, it helps you to know how to make these nutritious foods like vegetables, for example, that maybe you're not cooking. And we promote all sorts of fruits and vegetables, whole grains. It doesn't have to always be fresh. Um, so canned, frozen, all count, but fresh is nice and we use that when we can. Um, so learning those really basic so that it's practical and simple for them and not something that seems like an overwhelming obstacle. So what would you guys say um, in, in your experience, and Sora, we'll go ahead and start with you. Um, what are the big, biggest roadblocks to getting people to eating healthy or kind of adhering to the programs? Um, there's a lot of different components. So people feeling overwhelmed because they simply don't have knife skills or understand uh, food safety. Uh, also not being um, exposed to different kind of fruits and vegetables. So um, just having that intro or, or having the courage to try a new vegetable or fruit uh, a recipe, uh, thinking that, oh, I don't have the cooking skills. So um, I'm just gonna eat a top ramen. You could boil water, you could boil water to make eggs, right? They don't really make that that connection until we bring it up in our counseling. So definitely um, food pre preparation or feeling overwhelmed about not having enough skills is definitely an obstacle, as well as feeling like they need to uh, have this huge uh, like spread and make multiple things at the same time and every single meal and i think that sense of overwhelming um pressure is is the reason why it's harder for them and that's a that's a question for the whole table here and like what brown what, what would you say is your biggest roadblock to getting people to eat healthy is it psychological is it uh, knowledge what is it i think it kind of depends upon the individual and so at least when I'm doing a counseling session, it's a lot of times, well, what brings you in here? What are your goals? And I think it kind of brings us back to some of those whole health questions. Well, what matters to you? You're trying to make your life healthier for what reason? And so once we've reached that point, we understand the veteran's reasoning, then we can always take it and say, okay, we have similar goals by eating healthy we're able to do this, or we're able to maybe prevent cancer or live survivorship, right? So I, I think it, it kind of depends upon what the goals of the veteran are and, and where that dietitian meets their needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I want to say it, it's usually not just knowledge. So a lot of the times people think, oh, well, I know what to do, and a lot of people do. Um, it's behavior change is really complicated, mm -hmm. and for all of us, I think. <laughs> so anytime mm -hmm. you've thought of making a 
you know, a goal, setting a goal for yourself, it's usually not just like, I'm going to do this and then you do it. So we talk about things like making smart goals, like making them really specific, measurable, realistic um, for them. And then working on those one at a time, not a million things at once, because I know sometimes people just want to go big and like change everything, but we tend to go back to homeostasis really easily. (laughs) So back to our status quo. So just like helping them with the things that they know are going to be achievable for them, I think is one of the first things that I focus on. Uh, What would you guys say is kind of the root cause of folks who come in and they're, they're in front of you trying to learn how to eat healthy? Um, Is it, is it lack of knowledge? Is it motivation? Is it financial? Like what, what prevents people normally when you are, are presented with a patient who wants to change their habits? What's, what's the cause usually? Just like Brianna said, it really depends on the patient. It could be a psychological reason. It could be environmental. It could be food insecurity. It could be not having enough support or or skills, knowledge, motivation. It could be a lot of different things. So here at the VA, we operate under what's known as the PAC team concept, where each individual veteran has an entire team of healthcare professionals, and the dietitians are, are really a part of that, right? Um, so how is it, and we have, you know, uh, renal, we have oncology, we have a uh, healthy teaching kitchen. How does that all interplay with all of the other providers here? Because you have pharmacists on the PAC team, you have a, a whole, a whole range of specialties. So how do you all interact with all of the other people that are, uh, involved in a veteran's healthcare here at the VA? I was going to say, uh, sometimes uh, when you come in, and I think the first question most of us would probably ask a veteran is, how are you doing today? Genuinely, how are you doing today? We work in healthcare. We wouldn't have got into the profession if we didn't care about your, your health. And so if the first problem that a veteran brings up isn't nutrition related, well, let me see who I can reach out to. Right, so we've got great support across the VA in terms of our social workers. So if there's any food insecurity or transportation issues, those are things that, okay, are you interested in meeting with the social worker? And from there, how do we adjust the appointment or the counseling session to still incorporate nutrition, but meeting the veteran with their their biggest concern. And then if it doesn't always concern nutrition, well then let's pull in our resources. I agree. I, have, I work in a very tight-knit uh, interdisciplinary team in um, dialysis. So working with nephrologist, nurse practitioner, nurse, techs, uh, social worker, um, whether it's medication management. I get questions about anything and everything, transportation, food insecurity, to uh, medication refill, which those are not within my scope of practice, but because I communicate with my team, I'm able to make things happen for them and bring the right people to them, if not be the middle person to relay the information because oftentimes these conversations coming up while they're tethered to the machine, right? So I don't say, oh, go talk to the social worker. I, I am the messenger to make sure those things happen gotcha. and they don't fall mm-hmm. through the cracks. Okay. And with Healthy Teaching Kitchen, uh, you said that that doesn't involve a referral or anything like that. Folks can just show up if they need, want to? So they do need an appointment. (laughs) So we do. So what we started offering last October is it's called an intro to healthy teaching kitchen class. And it's a one and a half hour VVC. So it's a virtual class. 
that if uh, we have some digital billboards around the facilities, um, if they see that, they can call the schedulers and just say, I want this class and get scheduled into it. So they do need to have an appointment with it, but once they're in that class, we can do their return to clinic orders to get them into any future classes. So then if there is, so let's say they have diabetes or they have a history of heart disease, things like that, we'll try to push them in the right direction so that we're really getting people into the classes that pertain most to them. But then we have some general wellness classes as well, where it's like we just focus on, like I said, the global nutrition one, but then also we have a women's health class, we have we had a Super Bowl class in a couple weeks ago. So it was really fun. So it's, sometimes they're just more fun topics and sometimes they're more related to health conditions. So when you have people coming into the, the healthy teaching kitchen, how big of an issue is uh, taste, right? Uh, a lot of people are they're like, oh, I don't want to eat rabbit food, right? Uh, they come in there. Uh, <laughs> what? How big is, is showing people that you can eat healthy and it still tastes good? How big is that mm-hmm. in, in, in what you do? I think it makes a big impact and not all of our classes are face to face but but I do notice the difference is that when people get to eat they they have much more buy in so when they have either participated in making that dish or they get to try it we have pretty good response responses to what we make so they may a lot of times they're very new to people so the recipes that we might make might not be something they've ever had before but I think it makes a big impact. And for the most part, I would say they have positive experiences in the in the kitchen. Well, I, I can attest to that. Yeah. Because um, I used to teach the healthy teaching kitchen for renal. And um, when I make recipes, and this was when uh, was face-to-face and I made the recipes, some of the patients are like, I've never had it before. Or some of the patients are like, oh, I hate that before we even go into making it, preparing it. So they already have predisposed ideas or feelings about it, but when we make it and they do a taste test, they're like, you know what, I actually like this. So that's why I think doing the hands-on really makes a difference. Yeah, I think I can I can attest personally from from experience. You know, I grew up in the Midwest, so it's a lot of chili dogs and mac you know mac and cheese and stuff like that. And uh, just let this past weekend, my wife made some toasted quinoa to put on salad, and I'm like, I've never had it before. I'm like, hey, that's not bad. That mm-hmm. that that's actually pretty good. I like that. So yeah, I mean, being exposed to it, I guess, is you know ninety percent of it for for most folks. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, and um, we'll be right back with our food experts, and we'll be talking more about how you can eat healthier here at the VA. You're listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. We'll be back with more right after this. Put a frog in boiling water, and it'll jump right out. But put a frog in cool water and slowly heat it up, that frog will boil. As veterans, we tell ourselves the lie that we can handle anything. We let the water boil. You are not a frog. If you or a veteran you know needs support, don't wait. Reach out. Find resources at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. And what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo. Do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry. I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Victor deployed for the first time to Afghanistan in 2003. 
At four in the morning, my phone rang. They said, I regret to inform you that your husband was wounded in action. Victor sustained a moderate traumatic brain injury. I was doing school full time, and I was also then caring for Victor. One of the most important elements of caregiving is taking care of yourself. I just didn't want to forget that I also had goals and that I also had a life. What I did is I challenged Victor to meet me halfway. There are almost six million military and veteran caregivers across the nation. We have our own journey, and we can fulfill that journey at the same time that we are helping our loved one. Visit aarp.org caregiving for a free military veteran's guide to navigate your caregiving journey and better care for your loved one and yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to The Nine Line, Southern Nevada's source for veteran-related healthcare news and information. Here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. Hi, welcome back to The Nine Line. I'm your host, Joshua Gray, joined by Brianna Hewitt, Sora Lee, and Renee Conklin. They are all part of our healthy eating dietary programs here at the VA. And, you know, we focused a, a bit in the first segment on our healthy teaching kitchen, right? Um, but, you know, it, it seems like lately there's a whole lot more programs here at the VA that are that are kind of sprouting up. Um, could, would you guys be willing to tell me a little bit about that? What What's new? Um, you know, what, what do we have going on with kind of our, our programs and, and, and expanded services? So, so we continue to offer, just thinking about the other classes that we teach, we continue to offer several MOVE classes. So that is a weight management program. It's a 15-week class series. Right now those are still virtual. Um, and then we're offering a women's only MOVE, which I believe is starting in a couple of weeks. Um, so a couple MOVE-related things. and. People are also able to take classes when they're interested in bariatric surgery and um, weight loss medication. So there is a, I, I believe it's a once a month class for if there's somebody starting down the path of bariatric surgery, it lets them know what the requirements are should they decide to pursue that. Um, so there's a lot of those move related classes. And then we are actually um, starting our own internship so that we will have four dietetic interns so in our world you have to go through an internship it's a thousand hours of supervised practice um, and then get a master's degree in order to become a registered dietitian and so that is new to us um, there's 19 of those programs throughout the u.s at different vas but we're super excited to introduce our first class coming in august of this year so so if there's if 19 we're one of 19 throughout um there's 100 and something facilities so what kind of drives VA in Las Vegas as being one of the the places to start to, to offer that? Well, we don't have, so UNLV has a dietetic internship, but this is not an area with a lot of those. So I know coming from like Minnesota, you know, Florida, Michigan, there's some of those states have several dietetic internships, maybe a dozen, um, but we really don't in Nevada. And so we, we know there's a need for more placements, but also we want to build the next generation of of dietitians at home, so here. And we know that we have enough to offer. So we have 24 dietitians on staff right now. So they get a variety of experiences they may not get elsewhere in the community. Um, and they can do all of their rotations with the VA. So they really get a lot of exposure to different areas, different specialty practices. So it's really unique. Um, and then I think that we are filling a need in the community for, 
for that program. So you said it's a it's a thousand hours of, of practice. Um, I'm really bad at math because I went to public <laughs> school. So how many like how many years does that generally take to get a, a, a thousand hours? Is it is it years? Is it one year? Six months? Like how how long does that take? It's less than a year. So it's so ours will be 36 weeks. Um, depends on sometimes programs will do 32 hours a week or 40 hours a week, but it generally takes under a year. Um, to do that, but a lot of them are wrapped into master's programs. So some students go through two-year programs to finish all that up. So you, you know, we're talking about internships and things like that. What made each of you want to be a dietitian, to to work with people and work with food? Uh, when I was a small child, I wrote a book about the digestive system, and so when I was in college and I had to pick a major, uh, my mom said, "Why don't you do something with food?" You always really liked science and the human body. Uh, so that's, I uh, shadowed a few dietitians in my undergrad, and then when I went to back to graduate school, I, I knew I wanted to become a dietitian. For me, um, I had an accident and I was bedridden, and um, I had a hard time managing sleep, pain. Um, I just didn't know what else to do with all the medications I was taking. I felt like I was just getting poisoned from this just handful of medications I was taking every day. And I was like, there has to be another way. Uh, and with my cultural background, food first approach has always been the thing and homeopathic ways. So I thought, you know what, maybe I need to look into nutrition. So um, I actually started implementing some of the things I, I found out and researched and um, I was managing my pain better, I was sleeping better and I was like, this is it. So I changed my major to nutrition. Awesome. Um, so my, my first degree was in fine art photography and I didn't get a job with that necessarily. Yeah, so it's hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's hard I can have a degree. I can arts. attest it's it's hard. <laughs> yeah, so I was looking for a more stable income where I could have interests outside of work, but also something I was really interested in. And I was working at this little store in Maine at the time when I decided that I was going to go back to school, and it was like a little co-op, and. Um, I just that was the first time I really knew how to cook or learned how to cook. I didn't cook. I didn't grow up in a house where there were. It was a lot of cooking. We had a lot of convenience foods, candy bars, you know, like all, I just grew up as a vegetarian, but really not eating a lot of vegetables. Uh, so once I started back in school again, it's like I learned how to cook. I, and I think that really clicked for me. And then the science part was cool too, but I, it was something I never thought that I could have done before. I never thought that I would be good at chemistry, organic chemistry. We have to take dozens of science classes. <laughs> so yeah, so that yeah, I think it was just getting excited about food and not necessarily wanting to be a chef. You talked about habits, right? Um, a lot of the folks that we see here are, are older, and as people get older, their their habits get harder to break. I, I know for me, um, you know, when I when I joined the Air Force, it was the first time I was out on my own. Um, I was at a, a, a an overseas base, very small base, working weird hours, and you know, the military has. Uh, dining facilities you can go and eat at because of my hours I couldn't so basically the first year of my adult life I lived on Burger King pizza and Hot Pockets uh, and, and that was that was the habit that's the habit that I had and it took a long time to break that unfortunately I was, I was young to be able to break that um, but when you guys have folks that come in and they, they've they've eaten this way their entire life and now they either want to change or they have to change for for health reasons um, how big of a barrier does that end up being and how hard how do you break through that with with folks 
Um, I think one benefit we have is we've got direct scheduling. So a veteran makes their own appointment to see us. So if they make it in for their appointment, usually it's, well, it's obviously important. You made it in, right? And and so it, it starts to become what's important to you, why you want to make these changes, why, what's going to be the easiest way for you to make changes. If a veteran is still saying, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this, then I, I probably usually say, there's a difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. A fixed mindset says, I can't do this and I never will. Okay, that's true, you won't. A growth mindset says, I haven't done this yet. And so there's always that opportunity to learn something new. It, it, it seems like you guys aren't just you know educational, but also kind of coaches and you know cheerleaders even to a point you know uh, yeah I, you're all nodding your head so mm-hmm. i'm gonna <laughs> um it, did you expect that really to be part of the job that you also have to be coaches too not at first like in, in my bachelor's it, it's not i felt like at least in my program it wasn't emphasized enough but as i was going through the years and towards like the last couple years i was like okay, I feel like this major needs to be paired with the psychology major because I understood how much psychology and counseling has to do with this uh, profession. So that's about all the time we've got for today. Um, Thank you all for joining us. But before we go, uh, Renee, real quick, um, if folks are interested in making that appointment for a Healthy Teaching Kitchen intro class, uh, how how would they get that appointment made? So they can call the, the 7919000 number and ask for a nutrition appointment um, as they go through the, the prompts. They'll, they'll get to scheduling and they want to ask for an intro to healthy teaching kitchen class. Those are offered on the first or the first and third Tuesdays of the month every month at 10 a.m. And folks can also just reach out to their primary care MSA and Correct. do that too, yep, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. And awesome. same with uh, other appointments as well. <laughs> so if they need a dietitian appointment, they can do the same. Excellent. Well, ladies, thank you very much for joining me today. It's been uh, very educational. Uh, I always love to talk about food and and trying to eat healthier, even though I don't very often. But, you know, it's always good to have folks on and talk about that and and let folks know what options are out there for them. So that's uh, all the time we've got for today. And thanks for joining us on The Nine Line, and we'll see you in two weeks. You've been listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. For more information about what the VA is doing for Nevada's veterans, check out our official webpage at www.lasvegas.va.gov or follow us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Las Vegas VA. Thanks for listening.